our father it's been such a joy to meet with these folks they're part of our family now we will never be the same because we've spent time with you this week thank you for the assurance we have of salvation because of jesus christ thank you that we're justified by faith in christ alone Amen. not in ourselves there's nothing that we can do to to make ourselves good enough or holy enough but because of jesus He's made a way of escape for us. We've decided to get on the boat, on the ark, which is Jesus Christ. We put on the garment of Christ's righteousness this week. We've been walking with you, Father. Now please continue to walk with us every day as, as each one of us begin the day with you and commit our ways unto you. Help us to listen to your Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us and keep us from falling. So bless us now, Lord, as we worship you and as we spend time in your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, two statements to start out with. Desire of Ages 311. Christ always separates the contrite soul from sin. Right? How often does he do that? He always separates the contrite soul from sin. No, God always separates the contrite. Whenever you come to him, you see your need, and you want him to come and dwell in you, he's going to do it. He's promised to do that. He came to destroy, he, Jesus Christ, came to destroy the works of the devil, and he has made provision that the Holy Spirit shall be imparted to every repentant soul. Why? <coughs> to keep him from sinning. Okay? So when we repent, we come to him just as we are, just as sinful and filthy as we are. He's going to pour out the, the Holy Spirit on us to keep us from sinning. Then why do we sin? I have to go against the Holy Spirit in order to commit a sin. Okay? Now we've given Bible studies for a year. We've baptized several people for years. And somehow they get this idea that they're sinning all the time. I said, well, wait a minute. Jesus Christ gives to you the Holy Spirit to keep you from sinning, to keep you from committing known sin. So you have to go against conscience in order to do that. Does that make sense? Sometimes, I realize this as Seventh-day Adventists, that we think we sin all the time. But if we take the word just the way it is, where God says, I can keep you from falling, Jude 24, I'm able to do that, then will he find faith on the earth? Can he keep you from falling? Yes. Okay. What, what's another one? Um, Peter, he knows how to deliver the godly from temptation. Well, I'm not godly, so he can't deliver me. The minute you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you have his righteousness. We've talked about this the whole week. Okay. So he knows how to deliver the godly from temptation. He can deliver you. Will he deliver you against your will? No. So we have to put our wills on the side of Jesus Christ. I, I just wanted to clarify something because people are really confused on this point. They think that their temptations are a sin. They are not. You may be bombarded in your brain with temptations, and they're not necessarily to do a wrong thing. A temptation can be thinking poorly of yourself. 
thinking you're worthless, thinking that you have no value. That is not a sin. But as I was sharing with a sister over here, the Holy Spirit prompts you. It's like a yellow caution light. What are you going to do with those thoughts? What are you going to do? He gives you the choice. You can choose to reject those thoughts. Say, they're not mine anymore. We have to remember that. We have to re-educate ourselves. Those are not mine anymore. I gave them to Jesus. Now I have his righteousness. I'm going to cover that, Joy. Thank you. This is what Desire of Ages says, all right, that Jesus will do that. But then we've got another one in uh, Signs of the Times, September 12th, 1892. Now this one says, Satan, the enemy will suggest that the Lord will not keep you from falling. Okay? Desire of Ages, Jesus said, I can keep you from falling and sinning. And now here the enemy is saying, no, he won't. He can't. So if we listen to the enemy, what are we going to do? We're going to follow him and we're going to fall? Okay, so we're not going to listen to him anymore. I'm going to read a couple of statements. This one's out of Second Manuscript Releases 344 and 342 and 432. Okay. To those who are tempted, I talked about this, and I had you raise your hand if you're tempted, and three people raised it. No, not three people. But everybody in here raised their hand, okay? This is normal procedure in this world. We've turned our back on Satan. Now we're walking with Jesus. And Satan doesn't come along to you now that you left his environment and say, go ahead, have a good time with Jesus. He doesn't do that. He's on your case, and you will be tempted. Okay, so this is talking to us. To those who are tempted, I will say, do not for a moment... Acknowledge Satan's temptations as in harmony with your own mind. Okay, now we talked about this too. Now that we've given ourselves to Jesus Christ, we receive a new mind. That God said he would do that. In Ezekiel, and what was the other one, Joey? 2-5, uh, something 2-5. Philippians, 2-5. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, okay? So in Ezekiel, God said, I'm going to put a new heart in you and a new mind, a mind to know me. So don't for one moment accept those thoughts that are out of compliance with God's will that are not holy, just, pure, or good in Philippians 4.8. Okay, that's our guide. Think on these things, Paul said. So the moment that those things come in that are not holy, just, good, and pure and are totally self-centered, boop, a red light should go on. Wait a minute. That's not my thought because I have a new mind now. And so you turn your mind to Christ. You say scripture, just sing songs, whatever you have to do to get your attention back on Jesus Christ. Second uh, manuscript releases 344, paragraph 1. After I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I gave up my will and my desire, and you guys heard most of this stuff this, this, this week, and gave him my music and my diet and everything. I said, God, you've got everything. And then the Holy Spirit came in and said, okay, now you need to go back into the church. I found Christ outside the church. I said, well, God, I'm having such a good time with you. Why should I do that? Because I want you to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what he told me in my mind. I didn't know who the lost sheep of the house of Israel was until I got into the church. 
I realized there's lost sheep in the house of Israel right here in the church. So I went to the pastor, Adventist pastor, said, I, I, who I am, I told him who I was, I need to be rebaptized. Oh, really? Well, we'll need to go through some lessons. Now, you know how many times I went through the 27 fundamental doctrines already, right? I went there, I went there twice, got baptized twice, twice, never died, never gave up my identity myself. And so here I am a third time going through the 27 fundamental doctrines of the Seventh Amos Church. We got all done with the studies. And then he says, no, I want you to understand something. If for some reason, after you get baptized, and you go out and you sleep with a married woman, and you die in the very act, that doesn't mean you won't be in the kingdom. Because God looks at the tendencies of the habitual words and acts. Okay, that's out of steps of Christ. He kind of twists it a little bit. Well, coming up out of the world, what that was normal behavior to do that stuff, to sleep with a married woman, adultery or fornication, whatever. Well, that's, uh, wow, that's really exciting. I can be a Christian and, st and still do partly part sin, you know. But it wasn't right. Did you pick it up? Okay, I'm glad you did. Some people don't. Because <laughs> God had already taught me before I went to him that what I go into the grave doing, I'm not changed in the grave. And when I come up, I'm the same way. God taught me that. And so he impressed with me in my mind, no, that's not right. So I'm walking in the Lord, just happy as a lark for like two or three weeks with no temptations. And I'm sharing Jesus with everybody I can meet and that he's alive and well, he's real, he cares about us. He's all powerful, he can change our life. I can't be quiet about it. I read that to you, remember that? No sooner do we fall in love with Jesus and there's more in our heart, in our heart a desire to make known to others what a precious friend we've found. I found a precious friend. He dropped, drew me out of that pit of sin and, and gave me a new life. I'm telling everybody about it. So I'm working in a car dealership. Friday night, a young, beautiful woman comes in riding her bike. She needs her bike fixed. The brakes, brakes are messed up. And so I couldn't help her. The tools were all locked up. We were getting ready to leave. And, uh, but I started talking to her about Christ. And that, you know, his, the reality of God in our lives. And so she listened to it for a while. And then I said, you know, I, I need to go because Sabbath is drawing near. And I keep the seventh-day Sabbath. It's God's Sabbath that he gave us that creation. And so I didn't tell her where I lived. I went back to my apartment, took a shower. I was getting ready to go to the store to get some stuff before Sabbath. There's a knock on the door. I open the door. There's, there's the girl. There's the lady. Didn't think too much of it. I go, oh, wow, well, get to share Jesus with her some more. <laughs> so she came in, and we talked. And she's telling about her husband. He's sleeping around with other women and all this stuff. And so I'm saying, you know, you guys need to get together, and you need to spend time finding God. He's real. He loves you. He cares about you. He cares about your husband. Before the thing is over, I'm going to cut this short, we were embraced and kissing, okay? And in my mind, this is weird, there's a little person on this shoulder saying, it's okay, God can forgive you. And another little person over here saying, call out for help, ask God for help. That wasn't a long prayer. Do you remember Peter's prayer when he was walking in the water? What did he say? God save me. And in my mind, that's all I, I mean, I was losing the battle, you guys. The flesh was winning. And in my mind, I said, 
God, help me in my mind. And just like that, there's a knock on the door. 2 Corinthians 10, 13. Is it first, first, first Corinthians? I will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to bear. We must live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen? And, and he did it. I, I prayed that prayer. There's a knock on the door. I open the door. There's a, a church member there. I step outside, and he's talking to me about some church business. I have no idea what he talked about. And, but in my mind, I'm praying, God, what is going on? What happened? And so he gave me enough time to choose who you're going to serve. And I said, Jesus, I'm going to serve you. And so I said goodbye. I walked in there. I said, listen, you're going to have to leave. I can't see you ever again. I'll pray for you and your family. But I've got an appointment with Jesus Christ on the sea of glass. And I've already been here. And I'm not going back there. I said, God, what is happening? What's going on? This is the battle of flesh and spirit. I, I actually experienced the pull of the flesh, and I didn't yield to it for the first time in my life, I think. Okay, so here's, here's the, the question here. So um, well, let me finish that statement, sorry. Satan works to discourage the soul. But Christ works to inspire us. Okay, so if you're de depressed and down and in the dumps and stuff like that, that's not Jesus doing that. Okay, Satan, is, is his, his whole plan is to discourage the soul. Okay, but Jesus inspires us with hope and faith. The battle we're in, the war we're in, we started out with, is real. And, and you're the prize, and you have a choice on where you're going to be, who you're going to serve. And it's awesome. When you finally figure out what's going on, it is almost fun, almost, not totally, to say no to the flesh. Because you realize what's going on now. So anyway, Satan seeks to unsettle our confidence in God. He tells us that our hopes are built on false premises rather than upon the sure and immutable word of, of, him, of, him, of him who cannot lie. Thank you. Sorry about that. The oldest and most experienced Christian have been assailed by Satan's temptations. But through trust in Jesus, they have conquered. So may every soul who looks in faith to Jesus Christ. We're more than conquerors, Romans says. Romans 8. We're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. So no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be a sexual thing. It could be just gossiping or talking behind somebody's back or complaining because a decision the board made. But they didn't do it my way. We went to a church. We joined a church several years ago. They had built the church 25 years before we got there. And one of the retired pastors who was the elder, as soon as I got in the door, because I was doing construction, he had to inform me that they laid the trusses out wrong. 25 years ago. The, it's, the roof is still standing. It's still there. I said, well, don't worry about it. It's still standing up there. It's still whole. Yeah, but they were supposed to be on two-foot centers. They did it 16 or, you know, some weird thing. I said, it's okay. It's, it's all right. So, all right. So the most experienced a Christian will be assailed by temptation. So we shouldn't be surprised by that. But now here's the question that people ask me. What about these um, the thoughts that come in? His thoughts, this, his thought, I sin, is having a thought of sin. Jesus was hanging on the cross. Was he tempted on the cross to come down? 
Matthew chapter 4, you can, you can read that and find out how Jesus dealt with temptation. Can you tell me that without reading it? It's written. It is written. We should preserve the strictest chastity in our thoughts, our words, and deportment. What does that mean? Well, deportment. What's deportment? Oh, it's how we behave. How about, um, how about how we dress? Could that be part of our deportment? Okay. So I shouldn't dress in a provocative manner to turn the ladies on in this room. Okay? I shouldn't have my, my chest open up so you can see the five hairs I have on there. It might, <laughs> it might turn you on. Okay. Deportment. Uh, how we act. Things we say. Um, let us remember that God sets our secret sins in the light of his countenance. There are thoughts and feelings suggested that arouse, that are aroused by Satan that annoy even the best of men. Here's the key. But if they are not cherished, got it? If they're not cherished, now Jesus said it like this, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery, right? She's saying if you look at a woman to cherish the opportunity to be with her, then that's, that's sin. But if you're not cherishing those thoughts, you haven't sinned. Our part is to redirect our thoughts. Okay? And God's given us this will so we can do that. Now, is it going to be easy? No. There are things that we do that we like to do. And habits and things. And so it's, it's like pulling asunder. I think the Bible calls it asunder. Pulling you apart to say no to the flesh. Okay. But it can be done. And the more we do it, I've found the easier it gets to continue to choose Christ. And always keep in mind the big picture. I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going to be with Jesus soon. This whole thing's going to be over. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Okay? Keep the prize in mind. Mrs. White talks about that we should always keep before our people the, the reward of obedience. It's going to be far greater and better than what we see today, okay? I was up, we were in Niagara a couple of weeks ago. We went in this bird sanctuary, and the birds are all flying around. And it's like a park in there. There's streams, and there's falls, and there's, there's a lot of greenery, and there's parrots. And, and I'm standing there, and I'm going, God, I could live in a place like this. And this thought came into my mind, your parents gave this up. I started crying. I said, God, why? Uh, anyway. Sorry, <laughs> it's because I, I want I want to be there and I want to experience that, okay, and and I want us all to be there together, okay. We're a family now. We've been together five days. I'm sorry, you're you're part of my family, so uh, I want to be there together with you. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. So, if they're not cherished, if they are repulsed as hateful, the soul is not contaminated with guilt. You know, I, a lot of my friends in different churches are just weighed down with guilt. They can't be happy because I, I'm not good enough to get to the kingdom. That's not it. We already read that God is good enough. His righteousness covers it. Right? Okay. So please don't walk around feeling guilty all the time. Now, if the Holy Spirit convicts you about something you did do, 
Well, then go ask forgiveness, you know. And then get up and walk. Get up and keep going, right? All right, then uh, closing thought. And know that no other, no other is defiled by their influence. Oh, that we each might become a savior of life unto life to those around us. So if I have a thought that comes into my mind that's not wholly just or good, and so I share, I forgot your name. Kim. Kim. I share it with Kim, and it's, it's maybe off color or something, and she starts laughing. I just, I just caused her to fall, okay? I was working at a car dealership when I first gave my life to Jesus Christ, and they were Catholic folks, nice folks. We're sitting in a little meeting there one morning starting off, and the, the boss's owner told a little joke that was off color. And there were three of us there that were Seventh-day Adventists. And everybody laughed. And so I laughed with them. And I, I got about two feet outside the door, and the Holy Spirit came in and said, What are you doing? You represent me to the world now, and you're laughing at this stuff? I said, Oh, God, please forgive me. I don't know. Bad habit. <laughs> I wasn't ready for it or whatever. And he said, Now you need to go back in there and apologize to the lady. I go, What? You know what? I did it. And this is what happened. I went, I said, you know what? I'm sorry. I have given my life to Christ. I claim to be a Christian. I really shouldn't have laughed at what you said. And so I'm sorry for misrepresenting Christ to you. And she was shocked. Her mouth dropped down to the, to the desk. You know what? I am sorry because I claim to be a Christian too. And I shouldn't have told it. Well, it, brought repent it repents to her heart too, you know? So, okay, anyway, and that's totally off script. Everything I just told you was not planned. So, now, yeah, I'll try to go into the slides. I, I'm terrible with slides. My wife puts hours in, in putting slides together. I can't follow them. You know? So I'm just spontaneous, you know, things just, so I'm gonna, I'll try to follow the slides, okay, for your benefit, I think it is anyway. You know what, where's my water? Okay, great. This is what I woke up with this morning. I'm trying, I just want you to, to know everything that you can possibly know to give you the benefit of walking with Jesus Christ and being in the kingdom. And so some of this stuff might not fit, but these are like some uh, pitfalls that I ran into early, early in my Christian experience. Okay? So we're in a, we're in a storm. I want us to look at uh, Genesis 3.1 to start out with. If you have your scriptures or your, your phone or something. This is not an a unusual text. It's probably very familiar to most of us. Okay. Uh, would someone mind reading that? I was a teacher for 23 years, and so I like a class where we read together and share. I do that in my churches, too. I don't really preach. We just sort of... 3.1. Yep. Can we read that? Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Okay, the word there I want us to concentrate on is subtle. Okay, so Satan is very subtle. He's very slick, sly. He's very skillful. He doesn't come, most of the time, he doesn't come right into your face and say, Okay, I want you to do this. He'll sneak in behind the scene and, and get you to fall in some, something you didn't even think about. It's kind of like 
when I'm on Facebook and there'll be a advertisement for car insurance and there's a woman that's 75 75% undressed selling me car insurance and I'm looking at that and now I think it's a joke because I know what Satan's doing I know what's happening behind the scenes so I look at that and I start laughing and I even call my wife in there Jody why would they have a naked woman selling car insurance you know because I you know it's supposed to entice me oh if I buy car insurance I'll end up with the woman or something I don't know what they're thinking but this happens all the time I don't know if you guys have ever noticed it or this or not but I mean, when I got out of the army, the people were sending me uh, different advertisements to, for me to use my GI Bill to join their school. And here's a, there is a woman driving a D9 cat out in the woods to get me to join classes to learn how to run heavy equipment. And she's naked. And I wasn't even a Christian then, but I started laughing. I said, I told my mom, I said, why would they have this lady out there driving this D9 cat out in the wilderness and, you know, half naked? Well, it's to entice you. Oh, I'm going to join that school, okay? So we need to, he, Satan is very subtle how he works, okay? And uh, especially with guys, because guys are visual, okay? That's why the, uh, the pornography industry is like billions. They're making billions of dollars, Okay, and I don't want to subscribe to that. Why should I, I pay somebody else money for me to lose my soul, you know? It doesn't make sense. So that's one of the pitfalls for guys, and I've noticed that, and I heard this just a couple days ago from an evangelist that was that's 90 years old, so I figured he must know something. Yeah. I mean, he's been around a while. Do you think that would be a correct yeah. de determination? And so he was telling me how, how many pastors had lost their way by going out after the women and secretaries leaving, you know, those types of things. If you've lived long enough, you've been in the church, you've seen that happen, okay? So I'm, I want to warn you all, guys especially, about a pitfall. Don't, don't go there, okay? We're almost home. It's, it's too late to be messing with that stuff. It's too late. Do you remember uh, uh, Joseph with Potiphar's wife? And what, what did he say? say? How, he ran out, how could I do this against my God? Right? And we need to look at that too. Whenever a temptation comes in, God, how could I do this against you? After everything you've done for me, after everything you've given up for me, how can I turn away from you now? We need to finish strong, boys. Okay? Finish strong. Now, I know, that, I know the pull of flesh. I'm human, okay? I know what it feels like. We need to redirect our mind, and we need to keep our, our mind on the goal of going home, okay? All right. That's, that's number one. God impressed me with that. Number two, we need to beware of false teachers. This is in uh, Matthew 7, 15. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm probably way ahead of it. Okay, great. Thanks, babe. Huh. So if I listen to her, if I've found if I listen to her 95% of the time, it's all right. <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm serious. Uh, God has used my wife to, to teach me humility so many times. Uh, I should tell you a story. <laughs> I, I, don't have, I, don't have, I don't have time. Okay, so we got wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, 
my name was written on the books of this church in 1964. Right? Didn't know Christ. You all, you all heard that story before. But when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ in 77, became a born-again Christian, things had changed since 1964. And there were some things that were coming in that didn't seem right, that people were teaching. And so these are just some of the things that I had to deal with. And, and only through the grace of God and studying the scriptures, I made it my way through some of this stuff. There was a teaching, there's no sanctuary in heaven. We don't need it. It's been all done at the cross. And so I went to the Word. I find, that, I find out that the sanctuary is the anchor to the people of God. Amen. Okay? So Satan wants to get rid of our anchor. So we're all floating around trying to figure out where, where we stand. And so, and then there's a lot more to it. I'm just giving you the, the minutia here. Okay, so God got me through that one. There was a group of people that came up with this idea that we can't sin anymore. It's called Christ our righteousness. I had a number of my friends that got on board with that, and they went out, and they're not, even, they're not walking with God at all now. They got to the point where if you even thought you could sin, then that would be sin. So you can't even think that way. And that's scary. And the Holy Spirit comes and He convicts us of sin, right? That's the Holy Spirit's job. Amen? Amen. You guys, are you with me? You're getting kind of quiet now. Okay, you're writing. Okay. So, if, if the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, oh no. Well, we can't have that. We need to get rid of the Holy Spirit because Satan knows that if God convicts us of sin and we turn to Him for salvation, then we're going to be saved. We're going to leave his, Satan's uh, uh, camp and join God's camp. And he can't have that. Okay? So we got that, that movement. You know, get rid of the Holy Spirit. Uh, can't sin anymore. No sanctuary. What were some of the other ones I wrote down here? Oh, okay. This is a hot one right now. But what, when I say this, I'm not picking on hot ones. I don't even want to discuss this thing. But what I'm saying is what I observed in the last 40 years is that God has a job for us to do. In, in John 17, Jesus Christ himself prayed that we'd become one. Is that right? Am I making that up? No. That's his desire for us. Satan's desire is to keep us separated. And so the way he does it, he'll bring in teachings, uh, the nature of Christ. Uh, was it before Adam's fall or after, before or after Adam's fall? And I got involved in that. And I was writing papers and calling the church Babylon and all this stuff because they weren't following the truth. And one day I was in South School class and a conference leader was there in the class. And he said, you know, all this hassle about the nature of Christ, it doesn't matter. And that, I got so angry, it just welled up. I felt that, like we talked about this week, you're going to feel that heat come up. But I, I just kept my mouth shut, and I went home, and I was like arguing with God. I said, God, what's wrong with these people? Why can't they see it? And then the Holy Spirit, in his still small voice, in his sweet way, came to me and said this. Do you know what nature I had when I found you? And man, you guys, and you heard my story. I was a total mess. You know, drugs, alcohol, sleeping in cars, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I said, well, no, I, I didn't know. Well, what did you need? Lord, I needed you. 
I cried out. And I s said, God, if you're real, I need you. I need to know you. And he told me that I'm real and I love you. And that broke my heart. And so he said, what did you need? I needed love. I needed you. He said, yes, and you still do. So stop worrying about what nature I had. You can't figure God out anyway. So why waste your time? You just keep spending time with me and sharing with others what I'm doing. Okay? And that's, we argue about all these goofy things, and yet we won't, we won't share Jesus Christ and love of God with anybody because we're so uh, intent on finding out who in the world should be ordained. God ordained me, you guys, uh, just a few months after I, that I know of, after I surrendered my life to Christ. It, it's in John. He says, I ordained you to bring forth good fruit. Male and female, male and female, God ordained you to bring forth good fruit. Okay, that's what he wants you to do. So what I'm saying is we need to lay aside this stuff and look at the bigger picture. We're so busy fighting with each other that we can't finish the job that God gave us to do. Okay? And I don't have a hobby horse. I'm not riding any of those things. I'm just telling you that's what God wants us to do, to share the love of Jesus with the world. Okay. Now, is that it? Oh, yes. Assurance. Well, I, got I need to... <clears throat> I, already, I already covered those things, so I skipped ahead. So where are we? It's time to put away sin. Okay. Today, today, right now, this is the last time you're going to sin. Jesus told the woman to go and sin no more, right? Did he really mean that, or was he just talking off the top of his head? Who's, you said that, brother? That he meant it? Yeah. Okay. Well, and how is that possible? Well, we already gave you the, the keys to how it's possible, okay? We've got we to spend time with him. We've got to believe what he's saying. Uh, we went through justification that he puts his robe of righteousness on it, and when God looks at us, he looks at us just as if we'd never sinned. Remember that? I didn't make that up. That was uh, Steps of Christ. And then the, this uh, walk in sanctification, we call it, a walk in holiness, every single day that you get up and you commit your way into the Lord, God's working with you. He's living in you. The Holy Spirit. This thing, we, we write books on how to, get, how to receive the Holy Spirit. There's, there's tons of books on it. And it's very simple. Jesus said, ask, and you shall receive. Is that hard? Is that too easy? <laughs> Remember when, when the, the snakes are biting the children of Israel out in the wilderness, and God said, make a golden serpent or a brass serpent sticking on a pole. If you look at it, you'll live. Right? Okay, the brass serpent's still around today. He's asking us to look to Jesus Christ. He's our salvation. He's our security. Alright? So, how does that work in a daily matter? When I'm tempted to, do, to go against God's will, I recognize it, and this is going to take practice for you because we're so used to sinning. But I start thinking it out, reasoning it out, and saying, oh, that's not from Satan. That's from Satan. That's not from God. And so now I turn to God. Okay? And every time you do that, you are, you are making up what we call a righteous character. Okay? Adam had the opportunity to do that, says in Steps to Christ. But he did not because he yielded to the tempter. 
Every single time that we choose to do what's right by God's power, you're forming a righteous character and you're becoming holy or complete. Now, because of that, do we go around telling everybody we're holy and complete? No, that's the furthest thing from your mind. Because the closer we come to Jesus, the worse we look in our own eyes, right? So there's a, there's a balancing line there, thin line. But every single time, come to Christ, start your day off with Him, and all during the day, have a joyful experience. The last chapter steps to Christ, rejoicing in the Lord. It's God's will that we're rejoicing and happy. And as, our, as Seventh-day Adventist people, because we have all the light, and we know how to eat, we know how to take care of our bodies, we should be the happiest people in the world. And because we understand this gospel, this everlasting gospel that I'm talking to you about, we should be free and joyous in Christ Jesus. All right? Because we're not carrying around this baggage of guilt from 40 years ago. You've given those things up. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So t today is the day. Early writings, many do not realize what they should be in order to live in the sight of the Lord without a high priest in the sanctuary during the time of trouble. I saw that many were neglecting the preparation so needful and were looking for the latter rain to fit them to stand in the day of the Lord and to live in his sight. Every day we're, we're experiencing this. And I want, I want to remind you of something. Jesus said... I will, when will I leave you? I will never leave you. Okay, I will never. He's not leaving you in this time. People get all freaked out. Oh no, I gotta live in the sight of a holy God without a mediator. How can I do it? I might as well give up. I can't do it. Jesus said, I'm, I'm clothing you with my righteousness. I'm not going to leave you, even in that time there. I will never, never leave you or forsake you. Okay? Is that, is that clear? Is that, did I make that up or what? Okay. Uh, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. That's God's promise to us. We have to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And when Jesus comes here, will he find faith on the earth? So we're living by what God said. I will never leave you. Okay? Right? You all right? Those who, who receive the seal of God and are protected in the time of trouble must reflect the image of Jesus Christ fully. Okay, what was Jesus like? Loving. He was loving, kind, forgiving, long-suffering. Sounds like the fruits of the Spirit. That's the way he was. Okay, and every day as we start our day off and we're spending time with the Word and we're giving our wills over to Christ, He's going to do that in us. He'll do it. And you won't even realize it. Probably. Most of the time, you're not even going to realize it. Someone might say to you, My, you are so patient. What? You know, how can you be so patient in this trying situation? But it's because of Christ living in you. <coughs> when a character of Christ is perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. So why hasn't Jesus come yet? We haven't... Uh, we haven't uh, cooperated with him. The faith which will live through the time of trouble must be daily in exercise now. Those who do not, who do not make strong efforts now to exercise persevering faith 
will be wholly unprepared to exercise that faith which will enable them to stand in the day of trouble. Now, we've had some trying situations in our life, and the, the first thing, the immediate thing that we do naturally because of experience is to turn to God. The steps of Christ, we should turn to the sun like the flower does, right? And so we turn to God. And I remember I told you the other day about uh, doing Bible work and we needed money for our taxes. And w instead of freaking out and crying and stewing about how am I going to figure this out, if I get three jobs to pay this, these taxes off. No, we went and we prayed. And then God gave us a thousand bucks when I got to church. God did that. He's done it in buying gas, uh, in going on mission trips. He's provided ways and means for us to. So we learn it from experience. When we're in a trying situation, we turn to God and we trust God. Tried like fire. Now we start out with how to know God because God's character has been maligned. And we have a very bad misconception what God is like. So I do, in a lot of my talks at church, I'm trying to get people to realize that God is on our side. He's not against us, okay? So know God, learn to trust God and walk in the light. Learn to die to self and the old man. And then we're tried. So, but he knows the way I have taken it. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Okay, so there are trying situations. I had a trial in my life. And I'm going to tell you about it in a couple minutes. This is, this is in Luke. And Jesus is telling Simon, Satan has desired to have you, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And he, he wants to sift us as wheat. There's this sifting process. God does it, and so does Satan. And, and they use different means. But the point is he's trying to purify our characters. And a lot of things we learn through our trials help us to prepare for the time of trouble. Okay, a number of years ago, I was doing Bible work. And God was blessing. We were having like 12 to 15 baptisms a year, or yeah, a month. So we had a year, yeah, a year. Because in five years we had 50 some baptisms. Okay. And so what happens? I get a stroke. Jody went to a wedding thing. I was at the home. I was going to go mow the lawn. I went in and changed clothes. I couldn't, I couldn't unbuckle my pants. And I go, wow, this is weird. And then my, my uh, speech was slurred. And I go, wow, I wonder if this is what a stroke is like. So I gave her a call, and I said this. Hey, I think I'm having a stroke. She didn't answer the phone, of course, because she was at the wedding thing, shower. So then I called my doc, and he said, you know what? I think you're having a stroke. I'm going to call the ambulance. Just stay there, relax. Anyway. God blessed. He healed me. Took care of. Uh, I have a text here. Where it's it's back here somewhere. It's coming up. God gave me a text in Jeremiah. I think it's thirty seventeen thirty or something like that, where he says, "I will heal you." So I read that and I believed it. Okay. Now I'm not saying that everybody's had a stroke and they can't walk and talk. They didn't have faith. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I read that text. I said, God, you said this. Um, Jody came home, and the next day I'm in bed and at the house, and I'm real, and my, my mind is all messed up. I've got thoughts going around, not making sense. 
started reading about Mount of Blessings and Steps of Christ again. I didn't want to lose that, that hold. And I started crying. And she came in and she laid on me and held me. I told her, I said, Jody, I'm not going to be the same. I'm never going to be the same. I can't share Jesus with people. And that really broke my heart because that's what I'm living for now. It's the only thing I enjoy doing. And so as I'm crying and moping around there, I heard this rustling outside the bedroom window. And I got up and I looked out, and there was a dove there building a nest in the tree branch right next to my bedroom window. And I took that as a sign. Now, I'm not really, you know, mystical and take all these different signs and stuff, but to me it was, okay, God's with me. The prince of peace is here, and the dove of hope is here. So he's with me. It took me over a year to really get back to normal. I went back to, to church and all that, and it was kind of interesting because some of the older ladies would come and they'd hold me and, you know, say things. But after uh, a year or so, this one dear lady came and she says, I can see the, the lights are on again. The lights are on. I go, oh, praise God, all right. Because <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, know, you don't know what's going on, but when uh, someone else notices that. So, um, Jeremiah 30, Jeremiah 30, 17. Oh, it was backwards. <laughs> was it, yeah, it was backwards. I gave it to you backwards. I do that a lot. That's one of my deficits now, I notice. I say things backwards. <laughs> For I will restore health to thee, and I will heal your wounds. Be not afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. Yes, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. That was a promise that God gave to me. Assurance for the time of trouble. Here, this is a choice time. Just take your time, Joe. Wow, it's really weird. When I um, became a Seventh-day Adventist, I heard all this rhetoric about the time of trouble. And it was like freaking me out. I'm just a teenager, and people are talking about the time of trouble, and this time of trouble. And I'm just like fearful. Anybody here fearful for the time of trouble? Anybody? Just one, two, three, four. Well, we don't need this seminar then. Well, I was. This was me. I just, you know, I, my grandmother did her best to make sure that I was um, paranoid of people, of things. But anyway, I found this text, 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. Who is the author of fear? Satan is the author of fear. Fear has torment, and he that fears is not made perfect in love. Now, let me just clarify something. He shared about the Lord Our Righteousness group who came in and said that we cannot sin anymore. It is true that it is possible for us to live without sinning, right? Amen. The problem with their, their theology was that they were sinless. In other words, they took themselves out of being a sinner to being already immortal and translated. So do you see the difference? Yeah. You, may, you may be tempted to fall, and we're not going to go back over that again. But it is possible to live without sin. Okay? So anyway, perfect love casts out all fear. 
This text here, Daniel 12, if somebody says, okay, where do you read about the time of trouble in the Bible? Jeremiah talks about it, Daniel talks about it. But I picked out a few key words in this, this verse in Daniel. It says, at that time, Michael, who is Jesus, the great prince, who what? Protects. Who protects his people? Michael, Jesus, protects his people. There will be a time of distress as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. So if you read through the book of Revelation, you'll find that there's hope and there's counsel and there's judgment. There's always hope offered before the judgment. And what the scripture is saying here, that Michael protects you, get that first, because there's going to be a time of trouble. But understand that you will be protected. Are we there? Don't be afraid. But at that time, your people, whose people? His people. Everyone whose name is found written in the book of life will be delivered. There is hope during the time of trouble. Is a time of trouble going to come? Yes. Can we deny that it's going to come? Yes, we do in our mind. We deny that it's possible, but it's going to come. And we need to be prepared for it. The book of life. Whose name is written in the book of life? Mine. Good answer, Renee. Whose, book, whose name is in the book of life? Mine. Mine. When does it get there? When you accept Jesus, right? When you accept Jesus Christ, your name is taken. Over here, there's this book of record, and it has everything that you have done from the time you were born. Sin, 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 sin. I have volumes. When you accept Jesus Christ, in this book, this volume over here has pardon, 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 pardon. It goes all the way through. Pardon. And then in big, bold, gold letters, my name is written in the book of life. Okay? There's a transfer. We talked about that. Transfer from here to here. From death to life. Rejoice. Luke 10, 20. For your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Jeremiah 31, 34. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So why do we? He doesn't. Those aren't ours anymore, right? Here are a few things that I have struggled with and questions that have come up. Different fears that people have about the time of trouble. Number one, am I saved? Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Now I'm going to give you promises here. And those of you who have written down your email address, I will send these to you as well. Do not abandon that confidence of yours. It brings great reward. For you need endurance. It's like taking a person like myself who does not walk well. You talk about exercise, that word is not a pleasant word to me. I just don't get into exercise, okay? I have things on my feet that hurt when I walk. So it's not, give me a bicycle, okay? Let me swim, I'll do that. But it's taking somebody like me and putting me out to do that 5K. 
I have need of endurance. And those little footmen that you're running with now is preparing you to run with the horses. Okay? Don't moan and complain and, and cry to God about the little trials that you're experiencing today because it's helping you develop endurance to run with the horses when the big one comes. Okay? Well, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Steps to Christ, page 71. We should not make self the center and indulge anxiety and fear as to whether we shall be saved. Are you saved? Yes. Are we supposed to go around and say, I am saved? No, we have the hope of salvation through Jesus Christ, not of ourselves. Don't indulge anxiety about it and worry yourselves out of the hand of Jesus. All this turns a soul away from the Savior, the source of strength, so leave the keeping of your soul to him and trust in him and then go out and do the work. Amen. I, those are my words at the end, okay? Amen. Put away all doubts. Dismiss your fears. Rest in God. He is able to keep that which you have committed to him. Now, where do you find that one in the Bible? Did he, no, you can't answer. Where do you find he is able to keep what you have committed to him? That's one of your memory verses. 2 Timothy 1.12 I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Memorize it. John, 1 John 5.13 These things I have written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God. Who's that? On you who believe on the name of the Son of God. Okay. Me, it's me, me. That you may know that you have eternal life. These things I have written to you who believe that you may know that you have eternal life. When do you believe it? Right now. Right now. So that when it comes down here towards just in the next few days, when the thought comes into your mind, I'm not saved, I don't have salvation or eternal life, Oh, yes, I do, because of Christ, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Another one that I was freaked out about, because I do not personally care for physical abuse. I'm not real crazy about somebody knocking me in the head with a tire iron or slapping me. I, you know, I, I shudder when I read missionary stories and the treatment that they receive, and I'm thinking, uh-uh, I'm staying right here. I'll stay in Michigan. Don't send me out there. Well, you know, God has those special people, and I'm thankful for them. <laughs> but I just have this thing about persecution. I just don't want it. But Isaiah 54:17 has a promise for me. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue, now notice there's a weapon and then there's a tongue, which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. So persecution doesn't come from tire arm, or yeah, those iron, tire irons. It can also come from the tongues of others to put you down, persecute you because of your faith in Christ. So what does it say? 
in judgment you shall condemn. John 16, 33, here's a promise. Jesus promises that in the world you shall have tribulation. But, he says, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. We've got to be thinking that we are here temporarily. This is only our temporary home. We have a place prepared for us. This is not our home. You know that song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. So keep that one in your mind when you're, when you're going through this time of trouble here. 2 Timothy 3.12, another promise that all who live godly shall suffer persecution. Now, I don't think of myself as one who lives godly. But my husband and I have decided to break the chain of circumstances with which we were raised, our past. We've broken that off and we've started a new life. We're going a different direction than even my family. We eat a certain way, we don't go to certain places and watch things at the theater. We just have chosen not to. That was part of our lives before. We're in a new life going this way with Jesus. And all those things are not part of me. And we were living in California. We lived in Pasco, Washington and all different places. And it was time for me to come home to Yakima, Washington. And I went with my younger brother to um, Portland because Paul, those of you who are here, the stepbrother, had to have a liver transplant. He had hep C. So I drove down with my baby brother Frank. And I'm just, oh man, I can't wait to move home. I'm just so excited about going home. And so I said to him, I said, so are you guys excited that we're coming home? You know, like you really missed us? And he was just quiet. And then finally he spoke. He said, well, not really. And I just said, why? Like, did I do something? He says, no, you didn't do anything. You haven't said anything, but it's your life. Your lives speak volumes, and it makes us feel uncomfortable. You're going to face that. People are going to be, un praise God if they're uncomfortable being around you because you're living for Jesus. Not because you just say, I'm living for Jesus, but because His Holy Spirit, there's an atmosphere around you. And that atmosphere is to draw others in. But when they're resisting that Holy Spirit, they're uncomfortable around you. So let it shine. Psalm 37, 39 to 40. The salvation of the righteous, who's that? Is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. You cannot trust in him then if you're not trusting in him now. Those trials, those footmen that come along, you need to trust in him during this time. You need to be claiming those promises. You need to be watching him work. And when he answers a prayer, write it down on a little slip of paper and drop it into a jar. And on December 31, take all those out and reread them. Write it out in a journal. You need to go back and remember the ways the Lord has led you. Because during this time, you're not going to have access to it. It's got to be here. 
It's got to be in the heart and the mind. That's why it's so important to memorize these scriptures. Because that's what gets you through this time of trouble. Thoughts on the Mount of Blessing, page 100. We may well have anxiety and anticipate danger and loss, for it is certain to befall us. But, now notice, there's a, there's a, a caution there, but we have a but. When we really believe that God loves us and means to do us well, we shall cease to worry about the future. Do you believe that God loves you? How many of you do? Do you believe that he means to do you well? So when you end up facing a critical situation in your life, do you still believe that God loves you? And that he means to do you well. You say it today. It has to be put into practice then. Okay? You made a decision today, but when it happens, you need to remember that decision and stay with it. That's being immovable. We shall trust God as a child trusts a loving parent. Then our troubles and torments will disappear. For our will is swallowed up in the will of God. Even if he does not save us out of this fiery furnace, we will not bow down. Did those boys have assurance that they were going to be delivered from that fiery furnace when they went into it? No, they did not. But they did not bow to save themselves from going into it. When you are walking through the flame, you're walking with the Son of God. Amen. Okay, there's a song, a choir song, but I won't sing it. Another one, has God left me? And he covered that well. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are going to sense that you are all alone. Did Jesus sense he was all alone in the garden? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said on the cross. He sensed it. But was he alone? Can you go by your feelings? Go by the word of God. Go by his promise. That's what we have to hold on to. I am with you until the end of the world, Jesus says. Early writings, page 283. Soon I saw the saints suffering great mental anguish. They seemed to be surrounded by the wicked inhabitants of the earth. Every appearance was against them. Some began to fear that God had left them to perish at the hand of the wicked. But, here it is again, if their eyes could be opened, they would see themselves surrounded by a host of angels. What did I say the other day? That he would rather empty out all of heaven, send all those angels to be at your side, rather than have you be overcome. I like to think of it this way, and I pray this prayer sometimes for those when I'm interceding for them. I ask God to put a hedge of angels around that person to use their mighty wings to waft away the evil influence that seems to want to get them to be discouraged. Discouragement is a big one. Depression is a big one. The devil keeps us there, and we've got to rise up out of it. 
through the power of Jesus Christ. He's given us tools. We need education. We need to learn how to rise up and not just think that this is normal life. Our normal life is up there. Exodus 14, 13 and 14. Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall keep your peace. Sometimes my husband will be doing something and I'll go like this. Okay, you know what that means. Zip your mouth and don't talk. Just zip it and let the Lord fight for you. Let him do the talking. One time he was kind of thinking he had to justify himself and, um, you know, telling me that I shouldn't wash out my daughter's diapers when she was a baby and hang them on the line on Friday night for during the Sabbath. And the Lord said, zip it. She's mine. I can take care of her. You don't worry about it. So the Lord will take care of us. He will fight for us. Are my sins forgiven? That's a big one. My past keeps coming up. Do you guys remember your past? Does it keep coming in your face sometimes? Well, there's a couple of things that happen. One, this text right here. The nearer we come to Jesus, the more clearly we discern the purity of his character, the more clearly we shall see the exceeding sinfulness of sin, and the less we shall feel like exalting ourselves. There will be a continual reaching out of the soul after God, a continual earnest, heartbreaking confession of sin and humbling of the heart before him. At every advanced step in our Christian experience, our repentance will deepen. This is Acts of the Apostles, page 561. When those thoughts come back to your mind, you know that you have been forgiven, right? You have to say, you're right, Mr. Devil, I did that thing, but I've been forgiven. Jesus is faithful to, to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If you've got a problem, you take it up with him. It deepens our repentance. Lord, thank you. I never want to go back there again. So praise God when they come back to your mind. It's not coming back there. Yes, the devil's going to use it to discourage you and think that you have not been forgiven. But you have the promise. What is it? What does 1 John 1, 9 say? Come on, you know this one. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Memorize it. You know it. Wrestling with God. This is Jacob. You know his time of trouble, right? How many of us have wrestled with God? Mrs. White says that there are few who wrestle with God. Few who know what it means to wrestle with God, to make sure that every, every sin has been placed upon the Lamb. We are in the Day of Atonement right now, this preparation time. It's time now for us to search our souls and to ask God. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me. We're asking God to try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We need to search our souls and ask God to search for us. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro upon the earth to search for those hearts that are wholly His. That's a Jody revision. Okay? 
But he's looking. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. And he wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. He wants your heart to be wholly committed to him. Let him work that work in you. And it may be hard because there'll be some things that he'll say we need to take that knife and we need to start chiseling away at those things. The Great Controversy, page 618. As Satan accuses the people of God on account of their sins, the Lord permits him to try them to the uttermost. Who's in charge here? Who's in charge in this process? Do you remember that hymn? Have, uh, oh, I'm, I'm not going to remember what it is now. Hast thou not seen? Well, it's an old hymn. That all things come from his hand. Okay, you guys know the hymn, I'm sure. Their confidence in God, their faith and firmness will be severely tested. Now, this seminar, and I have one minute left, is preparation for the time of trouble. Your preparation right now is going to be through testing times. He's going to test you. The Lord is going to permit the devil to try you so that your faith will be severely tested. Don't be afraid of that, but rejoice. When James says rejoice, though you're in, under manifold temptations, that's what it means. God sees something precious in me that he wants to develop. And he wants me in the kingdom more than I want to be there. And he's going to do everything he can because you have given him permission to do that. Amen. Okay, is that good news? Amen. As they review the past, their hopes sink. You go, oh man, there's no way I'm going to make it. For in their whole lives, they can see little good. Is that true? Yes. But they are fully conscious of their weakness and worthiness. And Satan endeavors to terrify them with the thought that their cases are hopeless, that their stain of their defilement will never be washed away. What does he want to do? What's his goal? He hopes to destroy their faith that they will yield to his temptations and turn their allegiance from God. So when he comes to you with this thought, this suggestion, you need to have a scripture to say it is written. And if you don't have it today, Look for them. Start writing them out. Memorize them. Put them here every day. Recount it. I like to post things all over the place. The refrigerator is a great place. Everybody goes there. Steps to Christ, page 53, and I'm almost done. Satan is ready to steal away the blessed assurances of God. He desires to take every glimmer of hope and every ray of light from the soul. But you must not permit him to do this. Do not give ear to the tempter, but say, what are we going to say? Come on. Jesus, Jesus died that I might live. He loves me and wills that I should not perish. Do you have an answer when these things come? Yes. Isaiah 54 verse 4. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth. And again, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, come on. And to? Right. 
So preparation, here we go. Number one, hide the word in your heart. We cannot emphasize that enough. Psalm 119.11, your word I have hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. Psalm 91.1, this is a wonderful chapter for you to memorize. Okay, write it down. Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then verses 9 through 11. Because you have made him, the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he will give his angels charge over you. There it is again. To keep you in all your ways. Number two, increase your prayer life. If you're not doing it now, increase it. Early writings, page 72 to 73. I have frequently seen that the children of the Lord neglect prayer, especially secret prayer, altogether too much. We should be much in secret prayer. If the enemy can lead the desponding to take their eyes off Jesus and look to themselves and dwell upon their own unworthiness, he will get away their shield of faith and gain his object. You read the chapter in the great controversy, The Snares of Satan. Take it out. I'm sure you all have that book. Read it. Snares. Exercise your faith now. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Mark 11.25, Believe that you receive and you shall receive. I like this definition of faith. It's out of Education, page 253. Faith is trusting God, knowing or believing that He loves us and knows best what is for our good. Thus, instead of our own, it leads us to choose His way. In place of our ignorance, it accepts His wisdom. In place of our weakness, His strength. In place of our sinfulness, his righteousness. Do you have a question, Renee? Do you have a question, Renee? Oh, she, she didn't get the um, last book. That's okay. I have her email address, and I'll send her all of this. Yeah. This part here. This is what we have to believe. Our lives, ourselves, will be his in the future. No. Huh? Wait a minute. You guys can't tell me that I'm doing something wrong up here. I am the teacher. Our lives, ourselves, are faith acknowledges his ownership and accepts its blessings. I'm already his. I've given myself to him. He has accepted me. Faith grasps it. Okay? It accepts his ownership, acknowledges it, and accepts his blessings. When the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on the earth? Your faith will be tried. Your faith will be tried. You may feel as though I can't go another step, but that's okay. Jesus is your strength. Jesus is your support. He is your strong tower. The righteous runneth unto him and are safe. You will be safe in his hands. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. That means you've already been granted it. 
right? And I will give to everyone according to what he deserves. When we get there, if you don't mind, I'll just take, wow, I'm going backwards. No, it's going fast. When we get to the kingdom, when Jesus comes, and we are finally rescued from this pit that we're in now, and there are some lovely places here, I don't deny that, and he ransoms us, and we say, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. And we get to hear those angels cry out, Rejoice and hallelujah. You know, we hear the hallelujah chorus, I think maybe, I don't know. But we get there, and he says, Come, my people, enter. This is a place I have prepared for you. All our sorrows, all our pain, all those struggles that we went through here on this earth are forever ended. We live in peace and harmony in the place that he has prepared for us, for those who love him, for those who have chosen to be on his side. And I hope that that's your decision today. I think you've been making that decision every day. Continue to do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we just are so thankful that you have not left us here on this earth to struggle and to wrestle and to um, fail so miserably by ourselves. You have been with us every step of the way and you continue to be with us. And Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here in this room and I want to pray for myself and my husband and my family. We will not forget these things, Lord, that you will, you will keep them locked in our hearts and our mind. You will seal these things, seal our decision for you, Lord, so that when you come, you can say, come, you who are faithful, and enter in. Go with us now, Lord, as we continue the last few days of this wonderful camp meeting, the spiritual rebuilding. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.